Hi, Veera. Welcome to 11 Questions. Hi, thanks for having me. Are you a tea person or a coffee person? I am both. I like coffee in the morning, lots of coffee in the morning, and then I switch to tea in the afternoon. If you could have tea or coffee with any person, living or dead, who would you choose? There's a lot of people on that list. Right now, I'm reading Jhumpa Lahiri's new book. I have it right here, Whereabouts, and loving it. I'll have coffee or tea with her, with whatever she prefers. (laughs) Did you always want to be a writer? I think I always was a writer in a sense that that was some a way that I have always processed my feelings, imagination, um, trying to kind of answer questions. I've done that since I was very young and I used to write poetry and make up plays and do all these kinds of things. It was really maybe college when I started taking more official creative writing courses. Then I thought like, well, what does that mean to be a writer? Because I really love this and I want to keep learning. And then I I went and studied writing, got my MFA, Sarah Lawrence College. And, and so it started to grow of just this idea of being a published writer. But I think it's always been a part of me. How do you juggle this creative work with the rest of your life? I don't know. <laughs> I think I feel really lucky to be juggling it you know, in the sense that it has become a a real job for me. And that is definitely a dream come true. But it is one of those jobs that because it means so much to me, you know, it's kind of always with me. And then, you know, just regular life and other responsibilities and family and friends. And, you know, I teach creative writing, and I visit lots of schools, but that's all I consider all of that as my kind of job as an author. So it's a lot and it's always there. And I never feel like I'm kind of clocking out. I have to work on that a little more, like on a Sunday to just settle down and try not to think about the working world. I just try to figure it out every day, honestly. (laughs) Your latest book, How to Find What You're Not Looking For. What's it about? That is about an 11-year-old girl named Ariel, who is growing up in 1967, Connecticut, and her parents run a Jewish bakery. Her, she's Jewish, her family is Jewish, and her older sister falls in love with an Indian college student. Ariel's parents are not in favor of the marriage, and Ariel suddenly has to look at the world in a different way. She's thinking about her sister's choices. She's thinking about her sister's boyfriend, Raj, and how and she really likes him, and she's wondering why her parents are feeling that way. And then she just has to look at the larger world of her identity as a Jewish person, as a white person, and Raj's identity, and Leah's decision, and, and what, what does that mean? And, and what does it mean to empathizing with kind of all the characters in her family? And she also has her, her own obstacles in school, and she has a bully that's saying anti-Semitic things to her, um, and she has something called dysgraphia, which is a learning difference that she's trying to figure out, you know, just how to work with that. And so there are a lot of things coming together for her, but the book is inspired by my own parents' marriage in 1968. And so my Jewish mother married my father, who's originally from India and is Hindu. And they also had some issues in their family when they first decided to get married, particularly my Jewish grandparents, because my father's parents weren't living at the time. They had already died. My grandparents, my Jewish grandparents had reservations at first. They were, they were not in 
favor the marriage at first. So, so I wanted to kind of not write my exact parents' story, but figure out how, because that's kind of where, that's how sort of I came to be in my identity and figuring out a story that I could use some of those ideas um, in the context of 1967. That's the long answer. <laughs> what are some of the issues or values that are important to you to include in your writings? Well, I think because of having an identity, coming from an interfaith family and being biracial and being part of those two worlds, I've always understood on a deep level what it means to, to navigate multiple identities. It's certainly been something that I've been thinking about since very young about just my own racial and religious identity. And I grew up in a small town in Connecticut. I definitely felt, you know, in the growing up in the 70s and 80s, very different from a lot of, you know, a lot of the community I was surrounded by. And that brought up a lot of questions for me of like, well, why? Why do people sort of even care, but then also aren't people more curious about how people are the same and how people are different? I always felt like, well, I am. And so I just brought some of those questions with me into my writing. And most of my books really connect very directly to my own identity, my family history, and some of those ideas. What do you find most challenging in the writing process? Oh, there are so many things. I think certainly writing a novel, you know, it, it is can be like running a marathon and you and I, it takes years for me to write a novel. Um, I'm not the fastest writer. I can't just kind of like bang out stuff. Um, I'm amazed sometimes at people's ability to, you know, like word count. Sometimes I'll hear on Twitter, you know, somebody's word count per day and I'm like, they're writing like 2,000, 3,000 words per day or even more. And I'm lucky if I write 1,000, 500 is a more comfortable word count for me. And so I've really adopted the kind of slow and steady process of a little bit every day and maybe not even every day. You know, I've seen what that does if you're consistent and you keep going. That can add up to a lot over a year. So I have more faith in that now. It is definitely how I have to work. And also just freeing myself that getting the words down and getting out that draft, I will revise it many, many times. And now I've been through that process several times. I have trusted readers and fabulous editors. So I'm lucky to have those things. And I know that it's okay if the first draft is usually filled with so many questions and problems. I don't find that scary anymore. I find that it really is just one step in the process. So um, it's hard, but I love it. I really do love it so much. It just makes makes me feel whole somehow as a person. So that's why I keep doing it. <laughs> when you're writing your books, do you follow a routine? I try. So I definitely try to get my writing done earlier in the day. So if I don't have you know, anything else going on from like, you know, nine to 12 or 10 to one, that is definitely my favorite time to just get my cup of coffee or three and, and build on that energy and kind of the sort of open space of the morning. I, I do sometimes have to switch that around and, or some days just get away from me, but that I try to do that as many days in a row as possible. And I do find like if I have a week where I'm doing that every day, I am engaged in my story in a much different way than when I'm like, well, I got a few hours in the afternoon and then I got an hour on Saturday and, you know, we take what we can get, but I love routine. I think I thrive in that. 
And when you're not writing, what else do you like to do? I do have a family, so I'm often managing things in the household and kids and things like that. I have a cat. I'm a big cat fan. So, you know, cuddling my cat. I enjoy cooking when I have time. Often I am just cooking because there needs to be dinner on the table. But I love when I don't feel that pressure and it can be a creative space for me. And I think food has always been a place where, you know, I write a lot about food and I've been able to kind of connect to the food cultures in both sides of my family. So I think that food has become more important than just kind of recipes and eating for me and is often why I write about it and love to read about it. So I do love food writing um, and food memoirs. I love reading that. And I have enjoyed drawing and painting in my life. I haven't done it in the last few years, but it is something that I want to sort of keep a hobby and just play around with it when I can. So I hope I go back to that at some point. If you were to be deserted on an island with only three books, which books would you take? Oh gosh, some of the books that were really important to me as a young adult writer, and I'll, I'll just kind of always go back to Jhumpa Lahiri's Interpreter of Maladies. That was a really important book for me. Also, I read Paul Auster's Moon Palace, which is a really funny book. Like I've read it several times now and it kind of changes the feeling, the feeling changes for me every time. And those two books I read probably in a similar time and they just they made me want to be a writer and many books have made me feel that way but those books I really remember and then also I was reading a lot of Jane Austen in a class in my master's program I think my favorite Jane Austen is Emma but I was reading her books really fast and I was reading like one book a week you know we would do like one of her books a week and that really helped me look at the novel structure and story structure Because if you read, you know, Emma or Pride and Prejudice or whatever, just like in a week and you just see it beginning, middle, end, you know, I could really see this structure that she was working with. So um, I guess I'll throw Emma in there. And for our last question, if you were to pick one interesting life experience to share, what would you tell today? You know, when I changed schools, when I was between, it was between fourth and fifth grade, and I went to a really small private school up until fourth grade, and there were like 50 kids, and the whole school was very creative, very arts-based, and then I switched, the numbers were sort of dwindling in the upper grades, and my parents also were afraid I wasn't getting quite as kind of balanced in education, like we didn't spend a lot of time on math and things like that, so I switched to the public school, the town public school. And that was such a huge change for me. It just felt like I had landed on a different planet and suddenly I didn't know anybody and people started asking me questions about my identity and about, you know, my background in ways that were not comfortable and not particularly out of sort of kind of a positive curiosity. And that was really an eye-opening moment. But I really, first of all, I really turned to writing in books at that time to kind of keep me company when I didn't have any new friends. But it, it really did give me a view of the world that I'm glad I have because I think it allows me to be sort of fluid and empathize with a lot of different life experiences. And of course, it's become something that I write about that. And that if I hadn't had that difficult time, maybe I wouldn't I wouldn't be the writer I am today. So that that experience, I think, was very important for me. Yeah, some of these experiences make us better people, even if yeah. they are unfair yeah. or they, they shouldn't happen to anyone, but they also I, shape you. Absolutely, absolutely. And that's the end of 
my 11 questions for you. But before we wrap our chat today, I want to tell you how much I love the Night Diary. Oh. I accidentally found it. And maybe because I belong to the area where partition happened, it just like, you know, tugged at my heart. And that story has not left me till day. So I want to thank you for writing that. Well, that means a lot to me to hear you say that. And yeah, that was that was one of the biggest risks I've ever taken as a writer because, you know, I, I was connected to the family history. My father is a, a partition survivor, but it was obviously not something I went through directly. And to write about such a huge historical period, I mean, I really didn't think I could do it, but I did. And and it resonated for people and it, it really means so much to me. To hear yeah, I think it's one of my favorite books. And oh, thank you. to anyone who needs to know about partition, I recommend that book always. Because I feel like you have shown what happened through eyes of a child with, with an innocence without any bias belonging to one side versus the other. And that is what stories are meant to do, I think. Thank you. Yeah, it's sort of putting that view of, that I have for, you know, myself of kind of trying to see different sides. And that is, you know, certainly a time in history where we can really look at those different sides. There are other times in history where one side is not right. You know, one side can be evil and the other side is the victim, but I don't see partition that way. And so I think it's it's a place where we can really, really do that. And on that note, if listeners want to buy your books or even get in touch with you, how can they do that? Yes. Well, I am on Instagram at Vera Writes and I am on Twitter at Vera Hira. And I, my website is www.verahirnandati.com. And uh, my books are available wherever books are sold, online or in stores. Thank you, Vera, for being a guest on my podcast. It was really lovely talking to you. And you too. Thanks for having me.